Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome. Thanks for joining in with us. Today, we're going to teach you and actually, we're going to help make it easier for you to take your business to the next level by giving you a much greater understanding on the power of leveraging relationships. Now, guys, this is like nothing I've seen or heard before. And we're also going to talk about how to produce high dollar on demand videos that are paid for by sponsors. So what does that mean? That means if you're an expert on anything, growing orchids, wrenching on cars, anything, if you're an expert on anything which you should be by now, you're going to love this. And this may help you climb up to that first million and beyond. Now, by the way, I've been producing weekly episodes for seven years now. Can you believe that? And you can access the full library at TonyDURSO.com slash podcast. And you can also type any word like marketing or million or, or guest name like Ziegler in the search and see what comes up, and you'll find a wealth of knowledge, advice, and guidance from our elite entrepreneurs. That's what I call them. Many of them are millionaires and billionaires. And there's one thing to know, that it's all designed to help you take things up a few notches. Well, today we're going to talk about the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler. And later in this episode, we have an insider's brief about what employees need to do for 2023. The question is, Where do we go from here? Stay tuned for that and tell me what you think. Oh, and by the way, while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get very successful at growing your business to a high sustainable level. And we want to help turn you into an elite entrepreneur. Meet James Ziegler. First of all, he's got the longest list of accomplishments I've ever seen. I asked him for a short (laughs) bio. I get this list a mile long of accomplishments. Just one would be a dream career for many people. And when you go to his site, you'll see it just goes on and on and on. It goes on longer than those batteries that we hear about. For 48 years, he's recognized as a writer, columnist, speaker, and a super performer. He's been a friend of mine for over a decade. Oh, and he's worked with more than 15,000 dealerships nationwide. He's taught and influenced hundreds of thousands of people, truly off the charts. I think that says enough. Get ready to make your notes. Let's get into it. Hi, Jim. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. I am so pleased to be here. You know, we've we've been friends for a long time and and I've been aware of this show and I, I was sort of put out. You never invited me till now. Well, you just weren't big enough now that you added another page of accomplishments. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, Jim, you're such a superstar in the industry. You know, it took me seven years to get good enough to be able to interview you is is really kind of a little bit more like it. And all joking aside, we really are looking forward to learning about the power of leveraging relationships. It sounds this is nothing to do with, you know, the personal relationships in a way, but this is beyond anything that I can think of, guys. Just stay tuned, sit back. Take your notes and let's find out what Jim's got to say. Perhaps let's start here, Jim. How did it all start? What's your backstory? How did it all start? Oh my gosh. 
I don't know when it started. I've always been a super salesperson. When I was was six years old, I was a salesperson. When I was eight years old, I was a sales manager. My mother was driving down Cassett Avenue in Jacksonville, Florida. I was six years old. And she heard me yelling, Mom, hey, Mom. And she looked up and 50 feet above the street on a tree limb, I was hanging on this tree limb cutting mistletoe. And the big boys down down below were catching it. And we were selling it outside the shopping centers at Christmas time. So the next year, my mother said, you're not doing that anymore. And I, I threw a tantrum. So my father took me out in the forest and we cut down 200 pounds, the biggest limb of mistletoe. I mean, we cut down a whole limb. Drug it out, my and my mother packaged it, put bows and ribbons on it, and and then I I told the kids in the neighborhood, Bobby, you've got Woolworths, John, you got Rexall, you've got Win Dixie Grocery Store, and I was assigning kids twenty five cents a bunch. My mother got a nickel, I got a dime, and the kid that I hired got a dime. So here I was, eight years old, seven years old. Two months a year, I made more money than my father, who was a, an enlisted man in the U.S. Navy. That's amazing. I've never heard a story like that. I was just a paper route boy. We all know how that is. And so I, I was always a salesperson. I was always an entrepreneur. I, I, I couldn't do, you know, I, I had a government job for a while. My parents were real happy about that. But, uh, and I, I became a, a disc jockey. I became a radio announcer, and I, I was fairly famous at WAPE in Jacksonville. I was Dr. X, the big-time radio celebrity. And greatest job I ever had in my life, Tony, but it didn't pay much. And, and here I was, a high school graduate from the bad side of town, you know, middle class. My dad was a listed man in the Navy with three kids. And I, I watched the, the salespeople. They, they got to dress nice. They wore coats and ties to work. I mean, which meant something to me at that time. They dressed nice. They looked at, they, they drove nice cars. And I went to, to Stan Kaplan, the owner of the radio station, said, I'd like to be a salesman. He said, Jim, you're just too rough. You know, you're a bar fighter and a drag racer. <laughs> you know, you're not the image we want to, to put out. And so I said, no, look, um, I'm a pretty good DJ, but I'm going to go to another radio station if you don't let me sell. And, and he allowed me to leave. And I went to another radio station and I became a salesman and I was really good. So he hired me back. And I set records in sales. And um, I remember one thing from social media way back when, when you quit a job, you, I think you were 18, you can correct me, you were selling cars and you quit your job to go work for yourself. And I like to focus a little bit on that part. I was a little older than 18. I was, I was in my 30s. I had already had the career as a radio announcer. I was broke. I was divorced. I was angry. I walked into a car dealership and said, I'd like to be a car salesman. And, and truthfully, Tony, I didn't want to be a car salesman. I just wanted to do that till I could get a better job. And maybe my relatives wouldn't find out. And I got a free car. Uh, they, they gave you a demo. Oh, my gosh. 
And guess what? The third month in the industry, I set the all-time record for that car dealership. And I made, I made $4,500. Now, now, Tony, that was 1976. I never made that kind of money at, as a radio executive. And it, it, not, not in those days. And it dawned on me that, that this was a, a, a good job. So somewhere along the line here, I wasn't broke, divorced, angry, packing my every earthly possession into my 1973 beat up old car. And I snuck out of Jacksonville in the middle of the night, headed for Atlanta, didn't know where I was going to work, what I was going to do. I just knew that I was out of there. And I made two decisions that night. Decision number one, I will be a success. I will be the ultimate success that I personally am capable of being. Now, understand, people listening to this broadcast are, are successful. But nobody, not you, not me, not any listener in this audience is as successful as you could be, should be, deserve to be. You're not performing at your best level. There's, and you better believe there's more. So that evening, I made a decision. I will do everything it takes to be a sustained success. I'm a high school graduate from the bad side of town with poor parents. I, you know, this, this was what I was going to do. I was going to be a car salesman, I thought. and. The second decision is that I would seek out role models and mentors, and I would study my profession as surely as if I were studying for a master's degree in any other profession. Read every book, attended every seminar, sought out role models and mentors, and I blew into town with $400 to my name, and within five years, I was a millionaire. And I started out selling cars. I became a manager. Now, now, there's a story for you. You want to hear it? I would. And with that story, Jim, you've got this drive that's beyond anything that I've normally have heard or have interviewed. You go beyond, beyond, beyond. Like, as you were saying, you feel, you believe that there's so much more potential. You could keep going so much more. Uh, you're not as successful as you think you should be. So I want to ask you, and I want to hear that story, but I want to know, and I'm, while you're saying this, I'm thinking, why? What's your purpose? Why are you doing this? Your refrigerator's full of food, I'm sure. Like mine, we talked about offstage. Oh, Tony, the- Tony, Tony, I am the last gladiator. I mean, I'm a competitor. I, I, I mean, I am, I am not satisfied to be number two. I have drive, I have focus and intensity. And when you and when you achieve focus and intensity and and you are dedicated to winning at whatever you are endeavoring to do. I wasn't a world record setting salesman, but I was the best salesperson anywhere I was. I was never beaten by another salesperson in any competition wherever I was. And I needed, I needed that. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a competitor by nature. 
And I think that's probably the drive. And when when I started becoming a manager in Atlanta, I set world records in the car business. And the way that I did that was I found out the numbers. Let me tell you my story before I get into that part, because it, 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 <laughs> I, was a, I was a salesperson. I was happy. And somewhere along the line, I met my wife, Debbie Ziegler. We've been married 38 years. I met my wife. I sold her a car. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues. The Power of Leveraging Relationships with James Ziegler. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Hey guys, I want to share something cool with you. I'm using Blinkist to get the important points of books. Now they sponsored this episode and they opened up a whole new world for me. I'm currently listening to the key ideas and summary of The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. He really takes things down to a pure simplicity on willpower, habits, and routines. I love it. Now, Blinkist is perfect for us busy entrepreneurs on the go who really want to read, but too many projects and tasks compete for our attention. You know what I mean. So now you can get the most important summaries from over 5,500 nonfiction books and podcasts in just 15 minutes. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And it gets better with Blinkist Connect, where you can get two for the price of one. Hey, that's what our friends are for, right? I really hope you check this out. It's going to help you improve in 2023. And right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash D-U-R-S-O to start your seven-day free trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash D-U-R-S-O to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash D-U-R-S-O. And now for a limited time, you can even use Blinkist Connect to share your premium account. You will get two premium subscriptions for the price of one. And again, that's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com slash D-U-R-S-O. Check it out, read some great books, and take control of 2023. You're listening to The Tony D'Urso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler. And check out my lead entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, or you can find everything back to day one at TonyDURSO.com slash podcast. And now, back to the chat with Jim. Tony, we were working so many hours in those days. Car sales was a 70-hour, 60-hour-a-week job. You didn't, you didn't have any time for social life. And this woman came in and bought a car. And I made so much profit on that deal. I was, it, was, it, was a, it was a big, <laughs> I was celebrating that deal. And then I ended up making every payment myself. 
So here, here I was. We did. We finally got to the point where we were discuss. We dated for two years. We we're discussing marriage, and she comes from an old line, Southern aristocracy family. If you can imagine, going with the wind family, you know, she she's one of these old Southern families. She said, "Jim, my parents are going to probably have a problem with me marrying a car salesman." I said, "Yeah, I can see that." I said, oh, what if I was a manager? She said, well, that would be really good. I, so I went to the dealer and I said, look, I got to be a manager. <laughs> so he sent me to school. I became a finance manager. And the second month, third month in the business of being a finance manager, I set the world record. But here's the answer to your question a long about way. My guy that was uh, my uh, F&I coach, the, the guy that sold the F&I products, the, the insurances, the service contracts, the representative, Tony DeGanchi, another Italian Tony. Tony DeGanchi comes in and he says, my God, Jim, you could hit $1,000 a retail unit this month. And I was new at it. I said, well, well, so? He said, Jim, nobody's ever done it. Now, Tony, that's all I needed to hear. Nobody's ever done it. I said, are you sure? He said, Jim, that would be the record. I said, check it out. He came back within a week and he said, Jim, I checked with Auto Age 500. I've checked with the National Automobile Dealers. Nobody's ever done $1,000 a retail unit. And you're like nine seventy-five. So I, I consciously went after the number. I didn't stumble onto it and wake up one day and say, hey, I just did $1,000 a unit. No. I was selling harder than I'd ever sold. And, and, and selling to me is persuasion and finesse. You don't need to lie, cheat, sneak, deceive, misrepresent to sell anything. All you have to do is explain finesse and persuasion. If I bought a car dealership today, I'd hire a bunch of eight-year-olds. They're the best closers in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I have grandchildren. They can close you out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I set world records. Um, and I was part of a world record setting team at Dyer & Dyer Volvo. And in 1986, um, I was with the Potamkin organization. I was the director of, of their department, and they wanted to change my pay plan. They wanted to, they, they felt they were overpaying me. <laughs> we're talking about the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler, and you can find him at ZieglerSuperSystems.com. You should know how to spell this. Ziegler, Z-I-E-G-L-E-R, Super systems.com check it out and you'll also see that very short tiny bio that i mentioned at the beginning of this interview <laughs> it's very tiny james back to you oh golly so we had a pay plan negotiation and, and i wasn't up for the pay plan negotiation so i basically left the company i came home to my wife and i said i've quit the business I'm going to start a consulting company. 
She said, Jim, now, 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 Tony, I was making several hundred thousand dollars. And she was very nervous. She said, uh, Jim, who's doing this? I said, nobody. I'm creating an industry. There are no consultants to car dealers. And she said, Jim, I, I don't. And she was very nervous. I said, look, if I can't make a good living within 90 days, I'll go back into the car business and get a job. So I had a 90 day window that my wife gave me to be successful. Flew to Detroit, met with the vice presidents of Ford Motor Company. Now, I was fairly well known in retail, but I, I'm on the 32nd floor of the Renaissance Center. That's where General Motors is headquartered today. Ford Motor Company occupied that before. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of Detroit people don't realize that Ford had Renaissance Center before GM. So I'm on the 32nd floor of the Renaissance Center. I'm looking at Edsel Ford III. I'm looking at Bob Rui. I'm looking at Dick Fenstermacher, uh, Tony Restucci, another one of those tribe members there. Tony Restucci was in the room. I mean, you know, I mean, all the vice presidents of, of Ford Motor Company, Bob Rui was in the room. And I found out this, that Jesse Jackson had made a deal with Ford Motor Company and the Rainbow Coalition to have 300 minority-owned car dealers. And they were recruiting and training African-American dealers to keep that. And, and I wanted that contract. And I, I came home with that contract. And I had three different things from Ford Motor Company. I was the finance training school for, for Ford Motor Company officially. I was on all their service contract and training videos. I was on all the Ford company training videos. And I was consulting the minority auto dealers program and training and recruiting African-American dealers. And we made a million dollars our very first year. It was off to the races. <laughs> off to the races and you never looked back. But you kept going into different things. You went into speaking. You, you produce conferences. You're doing on-demand videos. I don't even know where to start. Perhaps here, one of the things I mentioned at the very beginning in my introduction, talking about videos, um, you got sponsors to pay for it. One of the things that I think you did, one of your niche or niche uh, sales actions or activities is getting sponsors or getting someone else to pay for it. You're very, very good at it. For example, you did and put on a lot of conferences and seminars. You got sponsors to pay for it. So I'd like to learn, as well as the audience, any insights on putting something together that's big and getting someone I will fast forward to that part of my career. How's that sound? All right. And we, and we can go back. There's so many things to talk about. We, we got hours of material in, in 45 minutes. Let's, let, let's get down to the brass tacks. Okay. So I was, my wife and I were doing seminars, finance seminars and sales manager seminars and dealer principal seminars. And we were very successful. We did several hundred seminars. But then 
digital dealer and some of the big conferences caught my eye. Now, I was already a trainer and, and conference. I, I was a keynote speaker at 98 state dealer conventions. I was writing for the magazines. I, I became a celebrity speaker in the, in the car business. I signed autographs at the conventions. It was incredible. So all of a sudden, we started doing conferences because the Internet became a thing. So when the internet became a thing and people started selling cars with technology-assisted marketing, you know, social media marketing, website marketing, email marketing, all the technology things. And, and, you know, I don't mind telling people I'm 75 years old and I'm teaching internet to young people. So here, (laughs) so we started doing the conferences, 200, 250 attendees. 20 sponsors, 20 speakers, and the sponsors paid anywhere from $7,500 to $25,000 to be a sponsor. And these were people that were vendors that serviced car dealers. And this was, was, I would look through the magazines and look through the publications, and I would look at the other conferences and see who their sponsors were, and I would contact them. And it was it was telephone work. It was absolutely picking up the sponsors. And the package, the, the $10,000 package was basically, you could have your speaker on my stage, plus a booth in, in my, my exhibit area, if you would do that. And, uh, and the cocktail party was 25000 We were having these at resort locations. We were extremely successful. It was my, you know, this, the, t- the attendees were paying $750 each. Uh, the sponsor, you know, 200, 250 of them. We had the, we had the sponsors paying 7,500, 10,000, 25,000. And the, the events, my wife had it down to less than $30,000 per event, including sit down meals and everything. I could consult people on how to throw a profitable conference. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just the head to chat continues. The power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You're listening to the Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Erso Show where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler. And did you know you can search through seven years of my interviews by going to TonyDURSO.com slash podcast and then type in the keyword in the search. For example, type in the guerrilla marketing creator, Jay Conrad Levinson, or just type in Levinson and see what comes up. I've interviewed a number of his protégés who have become well-known and successful in their world in marketing, promotion, publicity, and so forth. Check it out and see. Go to TonyDURSO.com slash 
podcast and type in the topic of your interest in the search. Check it out and have some fun. And now back to the chat with Jim. We're calling these internet battle plans. So October, uh, excuse me, September 3rd of 2019, we threw battle plan 25, the 25th one. We had done four sales manager super conferences and 25 battle plans. Highly successful. October 3rd, a month later, I was diagnosed with a very aggressive stage four cancer. And we had had a a conference planned for February, but this wasn't going to happen. We were doing three conferences a year. So the February conference was out. I had a nine-hour surgery, a tooth physician, almost died three times, lost 100 pounds. And then right behind that, Tony, you ready for that? COVID hit. 14 days in intensive care, almost died three times. And now COVID hit and we're locked down. And I had been doing a lot of video work to advertise my conferences. Similar to what we're doing now with this broadcast. So I already had the sponsors lined up. I knew the sponsors. And I, I started recruiting the sponsors. And I, I, first thing I did was I got up with Vimeo and I put up a training platform. Everybody, every, all the professional speakers in the world have a video platform. Everybody's got one. And you, you want to sell subscribers. Tony, I, I'm, I'm too lazy to stay on the phone. It, it, uh, I've done all that. I, I'm not going to stay on the phone and stay on the keyboard and spend my entire day trying to pick up additional subscribers. So, but I put, I put my entire finance training school, and, and this is a ZieglerOnDemand.com if you want to take a look at what I've, what I've built. Ziegler, Z-I-E, like I before E, ZieglerOnDemand.com. Take a look. I, I put all my training platform there. Sales manager, dealer, principal training. I put everything I have on that platform. And I'm adding to it regularly. But I don't charge the subscribers, Tony. I'm charging the sponsors. The sponsorship package is $10,000 for four interviews. So I will interview the sponsor four times over a period of six months. $10,000. And I will put that vi- those videos mixed in with the training videos on the platform. And it's, it's, it's not the kind of money we were making with the conferences, but I don't leave the house. We're upwards of $300,000 right now uh, annually. That's not the kind of money I want, but I don't need any money. I, <laughs> I've stashed it. My money will live longer than I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I am purely ego-driven right now. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I have never been afflicted with humiliation. <laughs> Face it, Jim. You're just not good enough. 
I'm sorry. You know, people say, you know, I wear a hundred thousand dollars on my hands. You know, I, I, I got the alpha dog and all the swagger, but that's not, that's not who Jim Ziegler is. Uh, you know, you, you got to look past the cartoon character that I've created and see that there's a, a lot of intellectual dynamics here. <laughs> well, what one thing I see in your material is, and I'm, and I mentioned this just a little bit is, You've got this strong desire, this strong purpose. Yeah, I get that you want to be the best. I get that you want to sell and, 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 and make records, achieve records, achieve feats that no one else has. And I believe and I understand that's what makes you go. That's what, you know, turns, uh, turns the crank and, and gets you going. But you really like to help people a lot. I've seen it throughout all your social media. You're giving information left, right, and center just to help. You just did it. Some people may see it as a sales pitch to go to your video site, but you're just trying to say, hey, this information is there. You don't have to pay for it. I tell you all these things. I teach you all this. You've got this great help button feature that that I see really pushes this forward. Don't let that rumor get out, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have helped a lot of people. I, I, I talk to people every day that say, Jim, you helped my career. You helped me. You did this. You elevated me. Uh, there is a, a famous used car dealer in the Carolinas named Tracy Myers. And Tracy is very, very successful. He, he came up to me recently. He said, Jim, you might not recall, but I was at Atlanta Toyota. You were training there back in the 90s. And I was quitting the car business. I had packed up my belongings. I was getting out of the dealership. And you talked me into staying in the business. And you're the only reason that I'm still here. And Rusty Gentry, a a, a successful car dealer in in Texas, he, he was my first employee. And I look at the people that I've elevated from salesperson to dealer principal to general manager, the people that I have helped, and I've helped a lot of my competitors. Tony, I have no envy. I think one of the secrets of success for anybody is I I want you to have more than I have. I want you to be more secure. I don't care. I don't want anything you have. I might want something like what you have, but I don't want yours. And and I think people need to adopt no envy. I will help you. It's a big world. There's billions of people here. I can't service all of them. Join the party. You know, and I've helped my competitors. uh, Mark Lenave, who was the president of General Motors. When General Motors had their big bankruptcy and a lot of things happened, um, I called Mark Lenave up and I said, hey, Mark, Jim Ziegler, what can I do to help you? Now, when he was president of General Motors, he hired me often you know, to consult the divisions when they, when they were in trouble. And it was too late to help, but I, he had hired me and I said, Mark, I know a lot of people. How can I help you? He said, Jim, I'm amazed you're calling me. I said, well, you know, Mark, it's real easy to be your friend when you were president of General Motors. 
<laughs> does that make sense to you, Tony? It does. <laughs> it was easy to be your friend when you were president of General Motors. Now, what can I do for you? How can I help you? I like that a lot. And uh, with your varied career, there's there's a couple of questions that I would think that our audience would really like to hear. Because I'm certain, and you've already mentioned some of this, it's not all been roses for you, or however the say, saying goes. You've had your share of failure. So I want to ask you, Jim, if you could take us through perhaps the biggest failure you had and how you came out of that. Well, I, it wasn't my failure. It was the the, the it was public politics. But but 2008, when we went into the biggest financial crash the, the country's ever seen. You know, I had built a company with 40 employees. Um, I think our, our highest gross was maybe $7 million in uh, 2006. And, you know, we, we were moving along at a fantastic rate. And I was in London. I was buying a franchise for eCademy, which was the British version of Facebook. I was buying U.S. rights to eCademy. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just the head to chat continues, the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You're listening to the Tony D'Erso Show with special VIP guests. Now, back to Tony and his guest. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler. And check out my lead entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, or you can find everything back to day one at TonyDurso.com slash podcast. And now, back to the chat with Jim. I was in London, October 15th, 2008. I can tell you the day in a minute. And we heard the news that the U.S. economy had crashed. And I had just written a sizable check <laughs> to Thomas Power uh, to buy U.S. rights to Academy. And I ended up forfeiting that. We had to get home and save our company. because. The car dealers crashed hard in 2008. You know, the, major, the majors went bankrupt in 2009. I mean, the entire U.S. economy crashed. And I couldn't lay off my employees fast enough. And I called the landlord. And I, and I had 6,000 square feet of offices in a Class A building. And I called the, the landlord, the, the management company. I said, look, I got to break my lease. I said, we're bleeding money out of every artery. I'm losing tremendous money, and I've got to close the, the, the office. 
He says, Jim, you have a lease. I said, I've been with you seven years. I, I was with your sister company years before that. I mean, give me a break. I need to break the lease. He said, Jim, you won't do that. I'm holding you to the lease. I said, okay, I will give you three months rent and I will move out. Or I will give you the other choice. I will move out. So I'll either move out or I'll pay you three months and move out. That's, that's your choice. He said, Jim, you're not going to do that. He, he wouldn't accept it. So I called the city rescue mission, Tony. And I talked to the minister and I said, would you like 40 or $50,000 worth of computers and furniture and office equipment? And he said, yeah, yeah. I said, all you, all you got to do is get it all out of my office on, in one day on a Sunday when nobody's in the building. You can't leave a paper clip on the floor. You take everything or nothing. So here, here this. Sunday comes around, the, the rescue mission shows up with a moving van. And I don't know how many street people he had, he had recruited. I mean, some pretty rough characters, but all these people carrying this stuff out. Monday morning, I get a call from the management. He said, you moved out, didn't you? I said, yeah, I told you I was going to. And he said, is that, is that offer still good for three months? Rent, I said, yeah, I'll pay you three months rent, draw up the paper. So we went through that with perfect credit. And I wasn't broke. I, I was, I, I had, I still <laughs> had, but I, I wasn't going to lose any more money. I was writing checks back to the company out of personal funds. I was, I was financially okay, but I couldn't continue to lose the amount of money we were losing with, when the economy crashed. So one employee stay, stayed with me and we started making phone calls. And we started selling the business. My wife and I brought it home. And we were making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a month in in four or five months. It, it, it came back to that level. What didn't come back to the level it was before the recession. But I realized I was making a higher net profit without the employees than I was with the employees. You certainly had the low overhead. That's when we started doing the conferences. Oh, that is brilliant. We haven't addressed it very much, but if you read between the lines in this interview, you really get to see your success because the title of this is The Power of Leveraging Relationships. And you can really see how you've used these relationships in helping people, in, in bringing sponsors together, which is, is, which is really the big thing. One of the big money makers, I think, for you right now with your video on demand. And it's just really using that relationship. And I think that that's really key. You, you talk about that here and there. How many people we know from our high school and our school days? Well, this, you and I went to school before the internet was around. I think today we, we would say we know more people, but I dare to think I know one person. I don't think I know one person from my collegiate or university career, high school, grammar school. Actually, grammar school, I do know some people, believe it or not. We're diehards. But it's that power, it's that leveraging relationships and staying true. You know, we didn't talk about values here and we talked about paying it forward. 
But that stays true. That's how you can speak to someone who used to be the president, isn't the president anymore, and you can help them because you keep, you keep in touch with that relationship. I think that's really cool. We did not do that title justice, but I hope everyone really learns a lot from this. I hope so. I hope, I hope we, we touched somebody and so, somebody had, had an aha moment and they said, oh, he's right. I can do that. I can have that. I, I can have a, a nicer home. I can have an, a better life. I can do more for my education, for my children, my spouse. I can do it. I hope somebody just picked up on something that will motivate them to, to do more, be more, and have more. Absolutely. Once again, everyone, we talked about the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler, and you can find him at ZieglerSuperSystems.com. And once you go there, there's links to some of his other sites. He's got a few of them, one of them he mentioned earlier. But check him out. And again, his stuff to help you is all free. Jim, thank you so much for sharing with us today. I loved it. And, you know, I think we're going to need to keep talking because there's so much more to share with the audience. Please, please. Anytime, anytime. Um, <laughs> you're, you're a dear friend, Tony. I'll help you any way I can help you. And, and I, I love doing the, these chats. It's, it's wonderful. And here's an insider's brief about what employers need to do for 2023. Now, you know, as we head into a new year, the one challenge facing every chief executive is how to best move forward in a post-pandemic world. You know, the, you know this, I don't even have to say it, the way we work, it's changed so dramatically and the economy has shifted radically. A lot of people ask the question, well, where do we go from here? What's of great interest is that a survey of 1,681 chief executives from across 96 countries and more than 47 industries provides profound answers. The organization YPO is the world's largest global community of chief executives in the world with 33,000 members. So when they give some survey responses and give their input, it's very serious and it really shows that level of, of knowledge that's going to come to you. This report that they did, it's called the Global Pulse. It focuses on gathering insights from these people to help you and to help drive leadership decisions. With us is the CEO of YPO, Javier Mufragi. I said that right, Mufragi. Hi, Javier, and welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you for all your listeners. I'm excited to be with you on the show. Thank you. The honor is mine. We love speaking to uh, CEOs that uh, have made it to the top of their category. And this is just an insider's brief. Uh, we're going to tackle this kind of rapidly. I'm looking at your report and I'm wondering if you could share with us some of the results and tell us what's in the mind of these CEOs heading into 2023. I think the first message uh, we can say, Tony, is they are optimistic. So there's a lot of things going on, uh, geopolitics, uh, inflation. Uh, we have, you know, issues in terms of logistic. They remain optimistic at 60%, but note for your audience, and, and you know, the study is just from a week ago, uh, six, they were 60% optimistic now, they were 80% a year ago. So they're still optimistic, but the optimism has declined a bit. Uh, and I think one of the major, two major drivers, one which is, a sh we hold hope, uh, it's a short-term one, which is managing inflation. 
uh, people are expecting in six months that by the midterm in the US, uh, we will see a, t- a still declining to a 4%, 5%. It didn't happen yet. So people are worried that the recession coming could be longer than expected. And there are some areas which are really post-COVID time, if we may say so, which is really all about um, you know, uh, your staff, you know, uh, recruitment, retention, mental health also is, is growing up as a key matter for those CEOs to make sure that in, especially with a lot of virtual, uh, we're still able to connect well and retain the best employee in those companies. So optimistic still, but short decline from last year. As you've mentioned, it's a 20% decline in confidence. And we've mentioned a couple of items, and I'm wondering if you've been able to isolate the key driver, perhaps, in, in that shift in confidence. So there is an element positive about the confidence, and we're talking about members also part of our organization, where you know, we're proud of you know, getting a lot of information as quickly as possible to these CEOs. So they, they're optimistic because, I mean, their, their company results have been good through COVID, better than expected, you know, when we know what was, going, what was going on. And all across the market around the world, and especially in the U.S., um, there's still, there's no, doesn't seem to be, a, you know, cash issues right now. There's no need to borrow money, uh, which is good at the time we, we're living. But inflation is an issue because it has an impact on the, you know, consumer's spending uh, potentially for them and also in impact for the employees. So most of our you know, uh, CEOs in the study, but even I have across the study and across the world, had to increase the salary of the employees to make sure that uh, they keep their you know, uh, condition of, I would say, of living uh, through this situation. And it's never good when you're adding inflation to inflation. Uh, when you're starting to increase salary, then, and we still see companies increasing their price, uh, we haven't seen that for so many years, and many people have never lived that in their own generation since they were born. Uh, were last time I think we've seen that was in the 70s. So there's optimism because still the, the companies are doing well, good result, no need for cash. There's also a lot of money available. Uh, that's what we see privately and from banking. Uh, but they know it's going to be volatile. So they, they need to be, uh, that's why on the edge, is looking for all these small opportunities that's going to come up and they want to make sure they're going to size those opportunities because otherwise uh, they will missing opportunities can have more deeper impact on the results in the coming years. That's very promising despite the, the drop in the confidence. And I'm thinking about the company culture. The whole, the whole thing has shifted so radically. And I'm wondering how did the CEOs deal with this? What are they experiencing with all of this shifting? So here, it's where I'm going. I move more for short-term to mid-term and even long-term. I think CEOs uh, were in some ways proud and positive about the way they dealt with the last three years, which were dramatic in terms of changes, uh, and managed to keep good condition in their companies. And again, we're speaking around the world. It's always more positive in the US in some countries uh, but everybody uh, has the same challenge and same opportunities. What they didn't realize yet, and now they're realizing it, it, is the emotional impact of the last three years for the employees and also for themselves. And, and for example, one of the big elements is that the move for home to home instead of the office and other difficulties to go back to the office uh, can have an impact on culture. Uh, you have people more back to a transactional relationship with companies because, you know, they, they, it's kind of a virtual world. 
so you can do, you can run a business, but it's difficult to build a business. It's difficult to change a business, to adapt for transformation, to, to keep the culture when people just meeting in between Zoom call. So that has an impact for their own employees, uh, that they, they felt that they're better employees for themselves because they have more time at home, for example, so there's some flexibility. But you don't have lunch with your colleagues to vent about your boss. Um, you, you don't have coffee machine where salesperson and marketing people may, you know, brainstorm, you know, about a new product. Uh, you don't have the HR person or the CEO going from one office to another to feel how everybody is doing. And those small moments that we call inefficient sometimes in business, actually, that's what's create culture. That's what's create, you know, the unexpected new ideas. So you are going to need HCOs to find a solution in this hybrid world to keep that special moment where the sparkle create the future of an organization and its culture. And the second point, and so I have a bit longer on that question, is that the CEO realized that there were a high level of mental health issue also among CEOs. And they didn't dealt with it for a while because there was a big thinking like, oh, yeah, we all disrupt by COVID, by all the situation. So they were trying to save their business. But now, you know, high pro proportion of them, you know, we were 80% of optimism before, you know, and, and now we have a little decline. They didn't understand why, despite the result of their companies, they didn't feel well inside of them. And, and, and we've seen from all the studies, um, CEOs realizing that they're also human. Uh, we call them supermen and superwomen, but actually they also have been impacted by the, the lack of direct connection uh, with employees because they do their job not only to have you know, profits and results for the stakeholders, they do it because they love creating companies, they like connection with their employees. And you can't do that through Zoom. So many of them, and me included, I can say it, we, we, we were drained by the work and not energized by connection with our employees. And if you don't adapt yourself to the new situation, if you don't talk about it, if you do nothing about it, then you can drain your energy. And, and you, the last thing you want to have is a CEO starting to be in a depression mode when there's major stake in hands in the coming months. Javier, as you're giving me this answer, I'm thinking back on my corporate years. I've spent 30, I think, 32 years in corporate America. I've had all positions all the way up to, to CEO. I've done many things. And I think about when I would be sitting in my office, it was when I would go out and meet people that that spark would come, the creativity would come, something new would come. I would mention a problem I'm having, somebody would have a solution. It just created this. This, this energy, which it, you can tell right away, it doesn't take much, that when you're working at home, that that's just kind of, it's just gone. I, you know, that spark doesn't come by me always by just sitting around, but by talking to people with like-minded goals and having that conversation, talking about the goals and the vision of the company. But I see the difficulty, the total juxtaposition on this, because I mean, come on, you got a 30-second commute as opposed to a one- to two-hour round-trip drive? I mean, it's a no-brainer. Who wants to go back to the office? And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to create a stir here, but I'm just saying that the CEOs really have to do something to deal with this, to bring that culture back. This is, this is how I see it. So I'm wondering, how are the CEOs managing that? How, what are they doing? What, what are they doing? You can have a Zoom party, but it's, 
It's, and, and some do. It's just not the same. So what are the CEOs doing on this? So the, we, we have a lot of discussion among our CEOs. I think one of the best practices we're starting to see is that maybe, you know, keep an office, uh, but people will come less. They could come twice or three times a week, which is starting to be kind of uh, more the average we're seeing. Give them the people the flexibility to, even when they come about time, uh, because, you know, many employees stop having a nanny, for example. So the, for them, going back to the office represents a lot of cost uh, because, you know, both parents are working. So you need to give that flexibility is critical. And, and I think it's sometimes that's the way we're looking, for example, in my, in my own organization, is maybe invest less in the office and reinvest that money in doing more retreat uh, with department. Uh, so, and we have, you know, people around the world. So you, you, you can save a bit of money and then each year, at least one or twice a year, you tell your team, have an amazing moment in a nice hotel away from the city where they can really connect with each other, having time together, no for nothing, to create a very strong bond in between team members. Because this, this part is critical. Um, and because as you say, a Zoom party, we're never going to be a party. Uh, so it's an investment to do that, but at least once a year, I think is going to be a minimum to make sure that, you know, they feel the connection, which is not only about the transactional element, but team aspect, because you know that when the next crisis will come up, only organization would have kept that culture, that connection in between their employees will succeed because uh, you're only able, you, 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 you see the work as a leader. Uh, during crisis, because it's where you see how a team is, uh, you know, operating. If everybody's pointing fingers, you failed. If they are built a strong relationship, they will help each other. And, and our job is not only to have the, you know, short-term profit, but to make sure that each time there's a crisis, you're sustainable and you're able to overcome them. Javier, we haven't even scratched the surface on this report. Where could our listeners go to get more information about this? So if they want more information, they can go to ypo.org. Um, and and really and find you know the result they're easily findable um, you know about this pulse survey uh, they can able to see all the details and you know keep on staying on the website because we always give some more information and they don't hesitate to uh, send us email under uh, the email over there if they want to go de- deeper in some of the countries more in the detail on each countries and I'm happy to come back uh, in your show and going one topic at a time always a pleasure. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. We discussed the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler. We talked about so many things. Can you believe he was a manager at eight years old? And in two months, he made more money than his dad in a year? This guy is really on the ball. He was a young millionaire. He went off to become an entrepreneur in his 30s, I believe is what he said. And he eventually got into producing conferences and seminars, getting sponsors to pay for it. And now he produces video on demand, totally free for you and anyone. And again, sponsors pay for it. He has some good advice there on today's entrepreneur. We talked about paying it forward, as it's called, and just doing a good deed for the sake of doing a good deed without any want of return or any reason or like, I'll do this for you if you give that to me. None of that. Just do something good. And it comes back, comes back big time. 
That's why I always say it at the end of my interviews. Just do something good and just do it because you want because you want to help others. There's plenty of people that need help, so just help them and it all comes back to you. But before I go, I'd like to know what did we discuss that resonated with you? I am looking at having Jim come back next year. There's so much more to talk about. What would you like us to discuss? And please remember supporting the show with an effective review on Apple Podcasts. And you can get onto Apple Podcasts from any web or mobile device and share this with a few friends to help them too. Use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Just take action. Sow good seeds. Do good deeds. And join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Erso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.